0: this is creek with at the table podcast here at at the table podcast our goal is to break down biblical topics make scripture easy to understand and to glorify god in his word we pray this content challenges edifies and blesses you so without further ado let's check out what's at the table
1: Good morning, 20. boys. Did it at the same time yep. again. It's been a while. He planned that. He looked right at me. He was giving me the side <laughs> eye. It, it, it was... Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for our listeners, I just want to say welcome to another episode of At The Table Podcast. I'm here with my wonderful co-hosts, both in, in flesh and uh, Creek and, and, and John. How are you guys doing? Good. Yeah. Not too bad, a little tired, but fat and sassy other than that, can't I, complain. I spent all day yesterday thinking that today was going to be Friday, and so when I woke up and looked over and saw that it was Saturday, it really was threw me off. I spent all day yesterday wishing it wasn't Friday, and that it was Saturday. He just loves to record, <laughs> that's what it is. He just he just looks forward to the time he gets to put on them headphones. Dude, I'd be
0: looking forward to the Saturdays. I don't lose track at all, bro. Oh yeah,
1: fellowship with the brethren. Shout out to the production fellows. I it's, mean, it's, soon it's, I, it's I will be with you guys. Soon, I will have two Saturdays off a month. Um, Let's go! I'm so looking forward to that. Let
0: somebody else bear your burdens.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm getting the the scraps from the master's table.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I
1: do. I feel like. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. What yeah. are you going to do with all
0: that time?
1: I
2: imagine at first, like oh, I can tell you what he's going to do.
1: He's, he's going to find a way to be busy working still on something. <laughs> well, my my wife might find a way. Hopefully, to, his but, own <laughs> project. My wife might find a way to make does me busy. She, does she listen to this podcast? Um, frequently. Somewhat. Yeah. Takes her about six weeks to get updated on a Some, episode.
2: Sometimes I wonder <laughs> with my wife if she's like. I hear this guy yak at home all the time. Yeah. Why do I want to? Well, I had to. She listens to it pretty faithfully, so I'm grateful for that.
0: Mine does. She says she does, at least.
2: Hey, don't question anything. Morgan, are you lying? <laughs> Ignorance. I do have a question, and I feel like, audience, if you guys could give us some feedback in this direction, too, that it would really help to solve, like, an ongoing skirmish between the three of us and... You know, so please at at the table podcast, um, not at the table podcast mail at gmail dot com or on Facebook, just kind of go back and forth with us. Is it or is it not acceptable for a grown person to order chicken strips, chicken nuggets, or cheeseburgers at a Mexican restaurant?
0: I have done none of those three. I feel why, like well, our audience. Well, why is- are you?
1: Taking up the defense, I just
0: the accusers. Yeah,
1: yeah. Creek wasn't even mentioned. He just took it apart. Already know y'all looked at me, (laughs) dude. What about you? What do you think? Do I think it's acceptable? Yeah, no, it's not acceptable. (laughs) You ordered a cheeseburger. Come
2: on, dog.
0: No, I haven't.
2: I, I've literally been there when you ordered a cheese. Maybe burger.
0: one time because I was sick of the same Mexican place over and over and, <laughs> over and over and over.
1: You're starting to sound like my wife now.
0: <laughs> literally every Sunday. Let's go. Let's go. Guys. <laughs> Let's go somewhere else. Sometimes Let's go to somewhere else, dude. We can go eat at Wendy's. We can go inside Wendy's. Whoa. No, dude. we're not going
1: to Wendy's. <laughs> Sometimes. Bro, I'd spend 100 bucks at Wendy's. You seen my tribe? Oh, my gosh.
0: You tried to be eating. <laughs> Bro <laughs> This funny. dude paid 4 bucks No 7 bucks for a hot dog The other day at a Mexican place The kid didn't eat a single bite of it
2: No doubt
0: $7 and You know it was like a, a bar hot ass hot dog
2: Bro we're doing some things wrong at our restaurant We need to charge $700 for, Or $7 for a hot
1: dog Oh, I paid 20 bucks Plus for 5 jalapeno poppers <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean you're doing things wrong I feel like you got a pretty good handle on it Okay
2: there's brisket that's been smoked for 18 hours inside of
0: the
1: <laughs> So <laughs> They actually were really big, too. I couldn't even eat They're them. They're, like, all.
0: handcrafted, like, oh really well-seasoned food. They just give you a hot dog that, like, the bun was wet. <laughs> I gave
1: away two of them because I was stuffed. I couldn't. You, pay, you paid $5 for the brisket, bacon-wrapped,
2: smoked jalapeno popper. You paid $7 for, for the, the chopped rest. up private parts. Of a pig and a cow. Did you know
0: that you can get a pack of those hot dogs, like three packs of those hot dogs for seven bucks?
2: Why aren't you shopping for more
1: efficient deals? If you don't think (laughs) that I know what a pack of hot dogs costs, you are sorely mistaken, my friend. (laughs) Uh, If you guys saw my grocery bill, you'd have a stroke. What about you guys? Are Are you pro cheeseburger at a Mexican restaurant? Is that acceptable? So no. What's a glizzy? It's a hot dog. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's another no. What the heck? Talking about a glizzy.
0: <laughs> mm. I've never done that. I've done that maybe once. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten chicken <laughs> you, you, What was it you
1: said about me? You're <laughs> the father of lies. Freaky. Whoa. <laughs> I've done that maybe once. He's called God. me that on air. So... <laughs> 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 literally called me. You the,
0: guys are the accusers of the brethren,
1: right? Uh, now. Na- another way to call me Satan.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, it's just like that video. That lady at Walmart's oh, like, man. Hey, "Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> you're an accuser. You're an accuser of the brethren." I like, "Oh my gosh." Well, okay, so the cheeseburgers, I guess, by popular vote. For us here at the table, are not acceptable. Minus one, only if you do it one time, dude. Because you're very sick of the same Mexican food. I will say, some
0: Mexican places have fire cheeseburgers. Okay,
2: let's let the audience decide. You guys tell us your thoughts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's add some context before we get started, though. Imagine going to the same place every single time you eat with someone. Literally then without Then you might start every searching Sunday. the menu for something else. I'm going to ask him for a McDouble next time.
1: <laughs> you already asked him for a cola. Are you Mick kidding me right now, dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, search uh, he searched mm, the menu real hard. That's so good.
2: Well, speaking of McDonald's and hot dogs and Mexican food, we don't have any... Mexican or Mexico listeners, but it is time for us to shout out a country. Dude,
1: what the heck? We need to get some Mexico listeners. Yeah, that's our next door oh. neighbor. We got our first listener from Israel. How do we? How do we dude? not? You know, I Mexicans make the best food. I'm just gonna say it. Uh,
2: it's
1: the best food there is. I don't know, dude. Some Thai food will.
2: Smack hard. Oh, that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to say Mexicans it. bring the heat, though. I ain't even going to lie. Y'all I could eat Mexican food every day for the rest of my life. Y'all are killing the game.
1: But let's shout out to our uh, listeners in Israel. Is that what you said? Uh, well, that that What's wasn't one? the
2: one I was going to pick, but we can do that. Let's just do shout Israel. out to whoever's listening in Israel. God bless you, brethren. Do we have that like round of applause
1: button? Oh yes,
0: I'm so. Sorry. Thank you,
1: Israel. Yes, yes, yes. There you go. You got your applause. <laughs> you started to sound like like a, a Hispanic DJ or something. Like dude, I wanted jockey. to. Do, I wanted to do
2: that radio prank
1: this Sunday night when John Cena this, defends his title. That is so unholy, dude. It's hilarious. It yeah. is. It
2: is funny, but
1: it's not really appropriate. Anyway, what's at the table today? Okay. Well, um, now that our we're, we're, we're in serious mode um we're gonna recap starting off um we we left off in in, in um first samuel chapter 15 yeah and we're gonna go back and we're gonna we're gonna recap that because we didn't spend a lot of time there but we talked about last um last week about saul this this anointed this anointed one this uh mashiach this messiah um we talked about the meaning of that word how it, it doesn't It doesn't, um, it's not the last name of Jesus, right? There are more than one Messiahs. There is one capital M Messiah that will be the fulfillment of that. But there are many Messiahs, and Saul is our first one. He's anointed king. We we start off with an expectation that things could be good, right? Because we're getting a king right off the gate, though. We know he's not from Judah, so we know that there's something wrong. And it pretty much snowballs from there.
0: Clearly, yes.
1: Mm. And we ended last week with this episode where S- um, Samuel commands Saul to to wait on him to to sacrifice before battle. Saul doesn't do that. He disobeys, usurps the mantle of priest, makes a sacrifice himself, and then when he does go to battle against the Amalekites, he is supposed to they they are they are devoted to destruction. It's Harem. They're they to be completely wiped out. Don't take spoils. Don't don't take slaves. Completely annihilate them. Well, Saul decides that he's going to keep the best of the sheep, keep the best of the cattle, and then for some reason he doesn't even kill the king. Yeah, Where we left off is Saul has taken Agag
2: captive. And it's it's kind of funny because it harkens back to, and even God's reasoning, right? He said, I remember what Amalek did to the Israelites on their way out of Egypt. And then we remember from that fight that the Lord said, that he would have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And it's Saul's generation to carry out that. It's their turn to carry out that war. And Saul's like, well, you know, you know what's kind of funny too is like typically the first of things or the best of things is devoted to the Lord, not to Saul. Right? I don't know.
0: Well, something to keep in mind as we go, like the king's relationship with God is very much so reflecting of the nation's relationship with God. So Very true. So when he usurps authority, things go bad.
2: Yeah. And so we we had at first Jonathan, well at, I guess by proxy, right? Saul's um dynasty was rejected by God in in chapter 15. Saul himself is rejected by God. So he says not only will your generational descendants not sit on the throne, but I'm tearing you off of it too.
1: Yeah. Pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. And so in this in this episode in chapter 15, it says that, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fattened calves, and the lambs and all that was good, and they did not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned his back from following me, and he has not performed my commandments. So that should set off a bell in in any reader's mind back to the, um, the, the flood narrative, right? Where there's only a few times where God looks at what he's done, and he says, yeah, I, I regret this. I regret this. Mm-hmm. Right? Things have gotten so bad that I, I regret doing what I did. We, we have that at the flood, and we have that at, at, at Sinai, where he's like, I'm, I'm just going to wipe out all the people. Mm. I'm pretty much tired of them. So after that, it says that Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was, Samuel, it was told to Samuel, Saul came to Carmel behind, and behold, and he set up a monument for himself, and he turned and passed on and went to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord, for I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of oxen that I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. <laughs> and the rest we devoted to destruction. The people spared them. It's like wow, Adam God. moment, right? It's like yeah. the woman you gave me, the people, you know, the people did. It's 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 like a a deflection. Well, it,
2: but it's funny because first it's a claiming of credit for his own. I have performed the word yes. of the Lord. The people kept this. It's like well, Uh Nada, it's
0: sir. Dumb. It's like we were gonna sacrifice them to you. <laughs> like, yeah. Does God want sacrifice over obedience? Well, that's exactly
1: what we're about to find out. And I and I love too that he says the Lord your God. It's like your God, Saul, that's supposed to be your God too. Isn't he the one who when you were little in your own eyes, he picked you, he elevated you, right? You're the, you were the, the, from the humble beginnings and he picked you up and he elevated you, but now it's Samuel's God. It's kind of just like, I guess, shows where he's at. Well, and Samuel's response is heavy. I, he
2: says what Creek just quoted, "Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because
1: you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So right there, it's not just his dynasty. It's, it's been removed. Now, it's it's we had that, that quote earlier, too, where it says that, there, there's God has chosen your brother. There's a brother. There's a amongst the people who is better than you. He's more tove than you, right? Mm-hmm. And and he has been chosen. God has rent the kingdom from you, like you tore my garment. Man, yeah. And it and
2: there's so Samuel like executes the justices all it and so he, d like a gangster dude, <laughs> takes a sword and hacks this guy in pieces. And he's like, just as your sword has left women childless. So your mother will also be childless among women. And he cuts Agag down. And the the thing that begins to, if anything hasn't told you that Saul is not a snake crusher and won't be a snake crusher, and especially not our snake crusher, is Samuel doesn't see him again, according to this chapter, until the day that he dies.
1: Yeah. The, um, I love, though, I think it's important, we read in the beginning where it Samuel, he loved Saul. Right. Whenever, whenever he anointed Saul to be king and he brings him in and he gives him the, the choice piece of the meat, like he looks at Saul and he, he sees something that could be good, and he loves and values Saul. And in verse 34, it says, When Samuel went to Ramah and Saul went up into his house in Gibeah, Samuel did not see Saul again until the day that he died, but Samuel grieved over him. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel.
0: Well, it's, you know, from Samuel's perspective, I mean, he anoints this king. There's hope. There's hope for the nation of Israel. And now, you know, he grieves because the king that he anointed is rejected. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And not for bad reason either. It's like the whole purpose, you know, and Samuel even said this. He's like, if your king does well and you do well, it'll be well with you. But if you and your king turn away from God. He's not just going to punish you, but he's going to punish your king too, right? And in, in this case, Saul's heart has not been after God, and that's, that's been the problem. That's right. That's the, good. The problem is that Saul's heart is not after obedience to Yahweh. It's not after love to Yahweh in that way. It's almost like in the text, you can read by result that the shifting of priority in, his, in the frame of his heart has switched from serving God to serving his own image.
1: Yeah, uh, that's he sets up an image for himself at uh, Gibeah or at Gilgal. Yeah, I, I think that that's good. And, and just kind of finishing the recap, it's every every moment where it's come time, save one, for Saul to make a decision. He goes against what Yahweh would have him to do. Yeah, the it's people- like it's not even just that he is purposely evil. It's just that he is not aligned with Yahweh. <laughs> it's it's like almost even by just I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but almost by default, it's like you just are not a man after Yahweh's heart.
0: The people wanted a God king who would be kinda like Ra or like yeah, somebody A from, king
1: as like as the other nations. Right. Like, yeah. you like know, Pharaoh. One who would yeah.
0: exalt themselves or see themselves as God. And man. That's more or less what they got.
1: No
2: doubt. And and the sad thing is, you know, like we pointed out, they're like, Give us a king that he may go and fight our battles for us. And I mean for the most part, he's just not been amazing at that. He might, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. He, might, he might, <laughs> yeah. He might be batting like a solid fifty-fifty. Like he did good with the the chariots of iron and old snake, right? But
1: yeah, Nahash, King Nahash. But,
2: but the dude, the thing that sticks out to me in this recap is like, you know, after because it said that whenever the spirit of the Lord would rush upon him. That he would be turned into another man, right? And and then Samuel says, Yeah, and you know, after all this stuff happens, you're gonna see that garrison of Philistines up there on the hill. Do what your hand finds to do, for God's with you. And when you see what Saul's will would be, if it would be done, it like Trey said, it doesn't seem to be what Yahweh's will is, right? The Philistines are the oppressors. And he sees them, and he's like, he's cool with it, yeah, right? And a couple chapters later, he takes on a different set of oppressors. And then when God says, hey, you remember how, like, back in the Exodus thing when I said, I swore, right? God swore that he would have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And God said, I'm choosing you. To be the conduit by which that war is continued to be carried out, go deal with this these people exactly like I tell you to. What more would make us think of a good snake crusher than successfully carrying out a fight against the snake the people? Yeah, the snake that God specifically says I'm going to have funk with you from generation to generation. Me and Man. you are going to bang it out. And Saul, like for the purposes of, of setting up his own glory, exalting his own glory. And we know that because then he goes and makes that image, right? You spare the king. You spare the best of all of the things. Then you go set up your own an image of yourself, trying to make a name for yourself. But ironically, the thing in this chapter that you make a name for yourself for is you're not after God, right? and it bleeds through in everything that you do. And so God rejects you. And the next chapter that we pick up gives us some hope. Because, again, if we're reading this in our Snake Crusher series in a literary pattern, let's say, like, you were reading and you got sleepy and you quit at chapter 15 for the night. The last thoughts that would be in your head is that we've waited a long time for a king, for a snake crusher. And the first one we got sucked. (laughs) He's not the guy. So what are we going to do now? Because not only is he rejected, but his dynasty
1: is rejected, even though his son is a good man. So who's going to take his spot? Well, that's, what, that's what Samuel said, is that God has chosen one of your brothers, one of your brethren, and he is more tove than you. He is more good than you. Yeah. So, yeah, pick it up in 16. The Lord says to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? For I have rejected him from being king over Israel. It's like... That gum, you know, it's kind of getting chided. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king amongst his sons. So right there at the gate, let's compare. Yeah. Where Saul was anointed with a flask, and it didn't fit that that song, right, that song where it said that there would be a horn. Right. It didn't fit. Now it says that Samuel is taking a, a horn Full of oil. To go anoint. this son of Jesse the Bethlehemite.
2: Where's Bethlehem
0: at again?
1: Judah. Uh, mm. This is getting juicy. Right. So out the gate, this is starting to look, already yeah, it's looking better. There's
0: hope. There's hope.
1: And Samuel said, how can I go? For if Saul see, or hears of it, he will kill me. Take a heifer, the Lord said, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show you what you should do. And you will anoint for him, for me, him, and I will, whom I declare to you. And Saul did what the Lord commanded, and he came to Bethlehem.
2: I, something I want to point out is the prophet fears that by carrying out God's word, it's going to cost him his life by this king. Yes. Not the one that's being anointed, but by the one in which essentially the anointing has been stripped away from, right? And it, I think, again, just kind of putting the nail in the coffin, like, Saul is a bad guy. This dude, every once in a while, you have like a Jacob's right that will, or Abraham's that will, be a good character, but they'll play the role of a villain. Yeah, they'll they'll right? mess up. They'll do something bad. This guy has become a villain. Right, he he is an oppressor. Why right? should God's
1: prophet fear you?
2: Yeah, this the very same one that God used to anoint you to be king. is fearing for his life by carrying out obedience in your stead when you would not. The reason why this is happening isn't because God's like, "Ah, you know, you got blue hair, so I don't like you. You know, it's like you've been commanded to do some very pivotal things and you've rejected God's word, right? So God has rejected you because who the king needs to be is someone who is perfect in submission, at least the promised king.
1: Yeah. And so when when Samuel comes to Jesse's house, Jesse says, "Do you come in peace?" <laughs> it's not very often <laughs> that, the, that the Lord's man rolls we didn't up. We not get you. too many visits from from y'all.
2: <laughs> it's like, is it good?
1: <laughs> yeah. So Samuel tells him, "Yeah, you know." And all the elders of the city came out to meet him, and he tells he consecrates Jesse and his sons and invites them to the sacrifice. So we talked about what sacrifice is in in scripture, and it's this this moment where you you. Sacrifice something to Yahweh, but Yahweh gives you a portion of that thing back, and you get to take that and you get to eat it and celebrate yeah and and it's a celebration to yahweh so so Jesse and all of his sons are invited to this this celebration they they're they're sanctified they're consecrated right Let's go ahead and paraphrase it for us, yeah, what happens <laughs> Well, when they all come and sit down Samuel looks at one of these sons and he thinks that's that's the guy it says that that uh Eliab walked in front of him, and he said, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature. I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Well, and,
2: and Eliab's mean name means God is my father. So it's like, ooh, man, what a guy. This
1: has to be the dude.
2: Not quite, no. It's not in what appears. It's what's below the surface.
1: And Abinadab and Shammah and and all of these other sons, they walk before Samuel. And Samuel says, the Lord has not chosen these ones either. And all seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And he said, the chosen one, he's not amongst these. Are there no other sons that you have? Right? Is there, no, is there no one else? And Jesse says, well... We got one more. There is one more, but he's the, he's the youngest, and he's out with the sheep. He's tending to the flock. It's all right to be little bitty. <laughs> <laughs> and Sigma says, send and go get him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent and brought him in, and now he was a, a ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is him. Wow. He
0: wasn't even considered.
1: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna tackle that much more. But that's that's a good point. It's not only does God not see like a man sees, but where David he he wasn't even considered to be a possibility. You remember that in Hannah's song too, like yeah. you the, elevate the.
2: Yeah, you you elevate the lowly, and this who was not really paid any honor at all. You know, God honors through Samuel, and Samuel's like yo, we're not going to eat until you fetch this kid.
0: It's kind of insulting to him, really, to David. Like. It is
1: It is absolutely insulting to David, but it's also, it puts him in the same, like, startup as, as Saul, right? You're little in your own eyes. You're out in the field. You're not the, the one that, the only contrast is, is where Saul has this stature, and he looks to the people like this is the one. Mm-hmm. David doesn't look like that, but they both come from these humble beginnings,
0: yeah. The difference is where is their heart and who is their heart for
1: man and
2: and that's going to become I mean it has been so far, but especially for our snake crusher, perhaps we should expect that like not a a a titanist man, right not a not a kind of messiah, not a kind of king that
1: everyone would expect.
0: This isn't the flashy god king everyone wants.
1: right. Exactly. I always mean. think when you, whenever time you say that, I think of Xerxes from Three Hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, dude's got like eighty thousand piercings. Yeah, like,
2: is that he just went to the tattoo shop and became a god after he got a spray tan and shaved his head. Man,
1: <laughs>
2: it's like this is crazy. Then
1: Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon D- David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So we end this this little episode with the spirit of the Lord that that had rushed upon Saul. It's now on David, and it's on David from from that time on. Yeah. Mm. So we have a guy from Judah
2: of the house of Bethlehem that the spirit of God has rushed on, been anointed king with a horn was meek, but God has chosen him because of what is in his
1: heart and not his stature.
0: And the spirit that was on the Benjamite has left.
1: He's he's got the spirit, right? That's necessary. It's it's needed.
0: Yes.
2: And to Creek's point, I think this is where you are going. Now both of them have a spirit. Right. Right? David has the spirit of Yahweh resting on him. And according to verse 14, it says, Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, but a harmful spirit of the Lord tormented him. So there's... A contrast here, you have God's new anointed, who the spirit of God is resting on, and then the rejected, whom a different kind of spirit from God is resting on for a different purpose.
0: And from this point on, we see a very anxious and paranoid, mean Saul. Yeah. I see that, but...
1: I think that we need to address this, too. I don't think it, it necessitates that this is a demon, Right, right, yeah. it's right. not that God is necessarily employing what what we would call an evil spirit. I think the evil has much more to do with the intent yes, it yeah. doesn't mean good for Saul. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying it, it, it's is intent for Saul is not good. You have an angel of death in the exodus, but that doesn't that's not satan right sure. that's yeah. that's a loyal member of Yahweh's family who is carrying out, but if you're a pharaoh. He's oh, evil. Man. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's more of intent than it is for. Not that God couldn't use a demon if he wanted to. but Man, and what's crazy is you get the first hint
2: of the kind of man that David is towards the end of this chapter. Saul says to his servants, bring for me a man that can play well. And So they're like, oh, well, you know what? I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He's skillful in playing. He's a man of valor, a man of war. What? So there's a kid out there keeping sheep. He's a man of war. He's a man of valor. He's prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And Yahweh is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, "Send me David your son, who is with the sheep." So he brings these gifts. You know, he gives them to David, and David comes to Saul. And the chapter ends with Saul loving him greatly, and David becomes his armor bearer. And whenever this harmful spirit would be tormenting Saul, David would play the liar, and it would depart from him. And you've got this chapter concluding with the one who had been rejected by God because he rejected God himself is now trying to get God's anointed as close to him as he can.
0: Right. David's foot is in the door.
2: Yeah. You've got the the next (laughs) guy— is working for the old guy
0: this is creek with at the table podcast if you're enjoying the show give us a rating review and share our podcast with a friend if you'd like to contact us email us at at the mail at gmail.com thanks for tuning in now let's get back into the show
2: So, now that we've got a new anointed we let's hearken back to Saul's anointing. We remember there was a series of things that validated a king's inauguration right one of the first the first one was he had to be anointed or um not necessarily only anointed to be fair there are there are other times where a king is not anointed but is God's legitimate successor but that's the real marker is a prophet, a priest, a word from Yahweh, something from Yahweh that says, you are my my chosen emissary, right? You're the next guy.
0: Well, and pay attention to this. Saul's anointing was not, there wasn't much to it. It was just he was anointed with a flask. And yeah. I would argue the next few chapters, all in all, are David's anointing.
2: And, yeah. Yeah. and And the second step in that series was... Something to prove yourself that you were worthy to lead God's people, right? Right, right. that you were a, a man of war, that you were capable of and, leading and, God's indeed army. Indeed, it
1: said it said of the son of Jesse that he is a man of war, right? He, that he's it does a man it, of valor.
2: It does, but the, the crazy thing is, is he has no honor and he's in a field watching sheep. And so we're we're wondering to ourselves, like, well, if you're a man of war, if you're a man of valor, how in the world does somebody know that?
0: Right. Something's going to have to show the nation that he is a man of war.
2: and the, Yeah, and this next chapter is going to bring to light not only why David will be considered a man of war to the nation, but but what about David as a person, what about his life has emulated to whoever Saul's emissary was that David is a man of valor, yeah. that David's with the business. Um, so in, in chapter 17, it starts out by saying, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. Funny, because the last time someone was anointed, who were they supposed to take on? Yeah. Right? There's that Philistine garrison over there. Do what your hand finds to do, right? So the Philistines gathered their armies to battle. After David's anointing, <clears throat> they were gathered at Succoth, which belongs to Judah. So they're in Judah's territory. Yeah. They're invaders and encamped between Succoth and Isaacah, And and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Allah and drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. So it's like, oh, finally, you're drawn up in battle against the Philistines. Let's see what you do, which I guess they did before. They chased them after Jonathan killed those Philistines. But in the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley in between them and there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath whose height was 6 cubits goodness sakes in a span this dude is somewhere and and some of this depends on what textual variant the, what the, the cubit, source text yeah. that you're subscribing to i believe that the the ESV in this case harkens to the masoretic text which out of out of the three source texts that are commonly used the septuagint the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Masoretic Text. The Masoretic Text puts Goliath at, you know, nine Nine feet feet. some odd inches tall, whereas the other ones will put him at seven feet some odd inches tall.
0: Either way, he's really big.
2: Yeah, and you may be thinking to yourself like, whoa, why is the Bible giving us two different heights? That The whole discussion basically revolves around what, just how long was the average cubit of an
1: average Israelite
0: maybe explain what a Three cubit or four. is yeah
1: so a cubit is fingertip to elbow fingertip to elbow is, so but you have you have multiple different types of cubit you have the egyptian cubit yeah uh, and it, uh, it there's a lot of variation and and since we're not 2000 years old it's impossible for us to know what the author right what what cubit is he talking about well
0: also your cubit would be different than my cubit
1: right yeah, yeah. since because training you Greek have a lot. Nephilim, their cubit's going to be bigger than all the rest of us Wow, I love that. <laughs> I'm just joking, <laughs> but but speaking of of Nephilim, I, I mean that's a yeah. kind of a good segue. This is one. So, yeah. way back, we were if we remember some of these these Nephilim or these Raphaim, these descendants of these giants, they they run to Gath, and right here it says Goliath of Gath, whose height was you know nine feet, seven feet. So you have a giant from this place right. where the these... Where they fled Joshua these, in the conquest. This seed of the serpent, right? These Nephilim, these literal seed of the serpent, fled to this area, and you have Goliath coming out of that. And so it it's everything about this. It says he has a helmet of bronze on his head. He's armed with a coat of mail, and it's bronze. He's got bronze on his leg. He's got this javelin. He is made to look like a, a snake. Yeah. yeah, I mean... He's literally got scales, right? He's shiny from head to toe. He's a giant, and he's from Gath. Everything about this is setting him up to be like, oh, man. This is a snake. We need a Joshua because the conquest ain't over. The
2: The shaft of this dude's spear
1: is like a weaver's beam. Yeah, there's a Nephilim in the land of Judah. Whoa, that can't happen. Yeah, not good. Y'all were were bounced a
2: long time ago. This is not just a... uh, you know, we've talked about the DCW quite a bit. Um, shout out to the Heiser family. May the may the memory of Dr. Mike be blessed. But h- how this, like kind of doubles as a shot across the bow spiritually, right? Yeah. The, these descendants were driven out of God's land when the land was haremmed, when it was purified. Harem can be translated scorched earth, right? Like kill everything, burn it with fire, purify the land from from these people dwelling in here, now they're back. There's like a second invasion of Canaan that has been where God has planted himself in the midst of Canaan and said, this is my territory. This is my land, and these Israelites are my people. So come to me. And so to the, the, that's what the conquest narrative is, is God leading the people of Israel to him and his land, right? Yeah. And then to now, his allotted portion. Exactly. And now you have trespassers. You know, it's basically, you know, spiritually, Invaders. so to speak, like, not just a physical invasion, but yeah. this, this territory is not Yahweh's. It is mine, right? And we're about to see what Yahweh's response
1: is. Well, the, the question then is, for the leader of, of Israel, which right now is, is Saul, even though he's been rejected, it's like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Are you going to let that stand? <laughs> Dude, and <clears throat> Saul does. I mean He
2: he's shaking in his boots. Right. And well, what's funny too is they're squaring up against our tall guy, right? Saul's got a head and shoulders above yes. all the Israelite people. So if their big guy comes out to fight and we want a king that will fight our battles for us, and we've chosen because he's a big guy, then who do we expect to go take this dude yeah, out? Yeah, the the people head? of Israel should yes. look at
1: Saul and say, like, hey, that's giant fire. versus giant. Saul, yeah. run out there and handle handle the lightweight. You it's know, nef
2: on nef crime. Dog, <laughs>
1: <it>. <laughs> get up there and do your thing. Though, I mean, that's that should be the expectation because they said we want a king who will fight our battles. That's a great point, though, Creek. Like, because
2: generationally, the, like Goliath is the descendant of those god kings, those supposedly god kings, and the Israelite wants a, a king like all the other nations, right? That's the evil that they did. That's what Samuel told him. And now it's like, you've got Goliath sitting over here. And he shouts at the armies of Israel. He's like, why have you even come out to fight? Like, am I not a Philistine and you're not servants of Saul? Hmm.
0: Right. It's supposed to be a battle of God kings. Yeah. And it's just, you know.
2: He said, choose a man for yourselves. Let him come down to me. I they defy chose, the ranks
1: of Israel this day. They so, chose a
2: man for themselves, and he's not going. He's quaking in his boots. They, ch- Yeah, they chose him
1: over 10 chapters ago. They said, this, this right here, this is what we want. And wanted. what did God say would happen? That he would make you servants. He would make you slaves. He would yeah. take all this. And it says, are you not servants of Saul? It yeah. it's, it's just it goes to show that everything that God said would happen is happened yeah. And, and, and then now they're left with, it, with their, their giant king who won't fight for him.
2: Yeah, and he's kicking in his tent. And this
1: Philistine's out there sh- shouting at his servants. Defying the ranks of Israel, he's, blaspheming God. Yeah,
2: he's terrifying them. He's oppressing them with fear, right? He's, he's dominating them. And verse 12 is a silver lining in the cloud. Now David, the son of an Ephrathrite of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three eldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to battle. So three of David's brothers are out there ready to fight. The rejected ones. Yeah, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah.
1: You notice none of them are stepping it up to the plate, though. That's right. (laughs) They're all sitting in a battle line while (laughs) while Goliath is shouting blaspheme. Yeah, and check this out.
2: For forty days, the Philistine comes forward. How we talked about like the 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 significance of the number forty in times past. For forty days, he comes forward and takes his stand. He showcases himself to the people of Yahweh and the servants of Saul. Right, right? and David said to his son, or Jesse says to David, "Hey, take this stuff out to your to your brothers and their commander." Jesse tries to make him the
1: water boy. Right, he's like,
0: which is kind of not a shameful position, but it's definitely not, you know, starting on varsity. Yeah,
1: take doesn't make you look like a man of valor if you're taking food to the right. guys. Yeah, I mean, if
2: you're if you're taking ten cheeses to the to the coaches and the captain of the. And
1: basketball. I wonder why, <laughs> because Jesse knows who's going to be king. Man, why why is he still rejecting David? Well, and it makes you wonder. Like David hasn't gone out to
2: war, but I wonder if if Jesse's like, hey why don't you just take this food out there, Mm. take this to your brothers and then take these cheeses to the commanders of thousands and
1: do what's in your hand to do. (laughs) Right. It almost has that feel, right? It's like, Hey, when you see that Philistine out there, you know what to do. Yeah. So so (laughs) David arises
2: early in the morning. He leaves the sheep with a keeper, takes the provisions that Jesse had commanded him to. And he comes to this encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Now, here, there's a significant aspect of atonement here in a way. And I, you may, as a reader, be thinking, what in the devil does a, a battle line being drawn in between two people with two champions fighting have to do with atonement? In ancient Near Eastern culture, a lot of the times what would happen, to keep from just losing men upon men upon men, they would say, why don't we do this? You send out the toughest guy you've got, We send out the toughest guy that we've got. And whoever loses, their people are slaves to the other. So they send out the serpent, right? (laughs) Not the serpent, right? But a seed of the serpent. They send out this representative of all of the oppressing nations around them. Not just physical representative, but a physical representative that's also a spiritual one. They say, Fight this guy, yes. right? If you lose to this guy, we will rule over you.
0: And all we really, it's setting us up to see this servant who's a Bethlehemite, who is humble, and he's seeming like he's going to be the guy.
1: We, well, we, we need a seed of the woman. We've, we see the seed of the serpent, right? But we need a seed of the woman.
2: And I, and I love how it mentions, you harkened to this a couple episodes ago, how Saul was hiding in the baggage. Look yeah. at the contrast with David. David left the things in the charge of the keeper of the baggage, and he goes out, right? <laughs> David goes to the battle line, to to, to the ranks, and he greets his brothers. So he's not content to just kick it among the baggage, but he goes to greet his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. So God's anointed hears the blaspheming of of this Nephilim descendant, and all of the men of Israel when they
1: see him, they they ran from him and they were afraid. Yeah, and they Amen. say that, you know, whoever whoever can kill this man, the king is going to make great. He's going to give him riches and his daughter and all <laughs> these things. And David said to the man who stood by him, he's, he's like, whoa,
2: like, whoa, 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 whoa. What'd you say? Run that back. She kind <laughs> of
0: pretty.
1: What's going to be done, man?
2: You know, I just, I just gotta say, I'd fight Tim Nephilim for Savannah. That's all I'm gonna say. You know, yeah. what I'm
0: I'd fight 15. For- <laughs> Why? <20. 20. laughs> yeah, I'd fight 15. 20. exactly.
2: So the people answer him in the same way. They're like, "Oh yeah, all this stuff is gonna be done to him and kills him." Yeah. So Eliab hears the words and he's he's ticked off at David. Why have you come down? Why have you left those few sheep in the
1: wilderness, right? So he's like dogging on his brother. I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Yeah, David's like, what have I done? Yeah. And was it's, it not but a word? Not only that. He accused but, of being evil. Yeah, it's like uh, Samuel said that he was being anointed king in front of you because of his heart. It's after Yahweh. There ain't evil in his heart. It's jealousy. Well, you're I, over here sitting on the, on the line running from the guy who's blaspheming God, and you're going to tell David that his heart's evil? Dude, I love what David says.
2: Let no man's heart fail because of him, as in Goliath. Your servant will go to fight this Philistines. He says it to Saul. He's the only dude in an entire army. At scholars would say somewhere probably no older than the age of 17. Yeah. Right? Yes. He is the only one in an entire army that's like, yo, not only will I, most of us be like, well, I mean, I guess if there's no one else, he's like, nah, don't let anybody trip. I'll go funk with this dude right now.
0: He's unarmed. Yeah. He's a teenager. Dude. And Saul's in his tent.
1: Yeah. He dude. says, yeah. you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. You're just a youth, and he's been a man of war since his youth. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's like, what are you going to do? But this is the point.
2: Before you keep reading, and I I do want you to keep reading, these are the qualifications.
1: How is the son of Jesse a man of valor? Yeah. It says, David says, your servant used to keep the sheep of his father. Funny, because he just left from keeping them. (laughs) He's already in his mind. That's that's a thing of the past. (laughs) But now he's going to keep some other sheep of his father. Yeah. It says, and then a lion or a bear, they would come to take a lamb from the flock, and I would go after them and strike them and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and I struck him, and I killed him. I just got to say this. A lion,
2: an, an African male lion, weighs on average over 420 pounds. That is a bad cat, dude. This dude will take down a 2,000-pound water buffalo by itself. But... This is a 17-year-old kid, and he says whenever that sucker came out against me, I grabbed it by its beard, and I beat it to
1: death. Why? Because it says that when he was anointed, that the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and was with him from that day forward. Man. <laughs> that line of that bear, it's like he went Samson on him, right? He, he snatched him up.
2: But he did what was in his hand to do. Yeah. Even when it was only for a few stinky sheep, it, it was enough. Nothing would
1: be lost. Yep. For the servant of God. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you.
0: I just want to point this out because this clearly has some New Testament, you know, imagery. You know, it's a humble servant Bethlehemite conquering a snake for a fear-driven people.
2: Man. Something that's so cool about that, like David, Saul doesn't just try to dress David up like Saul. Yeah. But he tries to dress him up like Goliath.
1: Yeah. He tries to put a helmet of bronze. Yeah. He's like, hey, you be ours.
2: And David's like, none of that fits, dude. Yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? Said, You're a head and shoulders taller. Like, <laughs> and <by> David, that,
0: <laughs> David's language, he's glorifying God. He's saying, God will deliver me. He doesn't want all the armor. He doesn't want all the flashiness. Dude,
2: yeah, he's like, I can't take this. But he says, I haven't tested them. Like, I haven't used these in a fight, dude. I fought a lot. He's like, I, I fought freaking bears and lions. I don't know how, how big you think a lion or a bear is in the ancient Near East, but I bet my bottom dollar it outweighs a 17-year-old kid it's yeah. an ancient Near Eastern Israelite. So his weapons of choice, he's like, these are the things that I know. A staff. Yeah, Remember Moses' staff, like how he would raise that staff up and you would have the Levite on one side holding his arm up and then the man of Judah on the other that would hold the arm up when he was fighting the Amalekites. He's like, I got a staff, and I've got five smooth stones from a brook, and he puts them
1: in his shepherd's pouch. I don't think that we've that we've mentioned enough to like the fact that he's a shepherd. He's got a tree in his hand. He's not a god king, but he's a shepherd king. Yeah. It's like th- that that is important. Moses was a shepherd, right? You you have all of these old testament Abraham, shepherd, going all the way back to Cain and Abel, like Damn. that's been an important aspect of 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 these people that God chooses and, and favors is like where everybody else is doing something different. They're out in the field, dude. And what's crazy is there's
2: typically like an armor bearer. Jonathan has an armor bearer. Saul has an armor bearer. His name is David. <laughs> David is his armor bearer. Yeah. Uh, Goliath doesn't have an armor bearer. He has a shield bearer. <laughs> It takes an entire man to carry one piece of this dude's armor. Yeah. One shield. It, so Goliath, like in his armor bearer, this Philistine, looks at David. He disdains him. It's like, you send this handsome little kid out to fight me? And so he says, like, dude, what am I, a dog, that you come at me with sticks? <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the Philistine cursed
1: David by his gods. He curses David by the names of his. I think it's, he didn't get the memo from Samuel that uh, not to look on the outward appearance. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he missed that memo. <laughs> so, but he, so David's response to this, Philistine says, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field.
0: Man, that I, itself is a curse. Like to say that yeah. in the ancient Near East is a curse that your flesh will be picked apart by birds.
2: Dude, very good point. Yeah. And two, to think like, you remember what happened the last time a Philistine looked at an Israelite and said, Hey, why don't you come up here and let's show you something? Yeah. He's one dude and his armor bearer spread their bodies over an acre of land. Like he fought a bad cat and that
1: dude wasn't even anointed. So what do we think God's
2: guy is gonna do to this dude? Oh
1: man, what he says. It's, it's so anti-Saul, it's, but it's so beautiful. He says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the, body, the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand.
0: And and birds picking flesh not only is a curse, it is a sign of a divine judgment. Mm. So we see David saying that to him. It's a divine uh, judgment. You will be judged by God. You this, will be killed by God.
1: This whole wow. episode shows That's good.
0: God's chosen man is after his
1: heart. heart. Yeah, because, and in, in, in David gets it, and we don't know how David gets it, but it's like where Saul was just by default. He's just not aligned with God's will or God's way. David goes out with a staff and a sling, and he says, all of, all of Israel and all of this host, they're going to know that God doesn't deliver by sword and spear. It's not going to be by the strength of Saul's army. It's not going to be by, by his armor or his sword. It's the spirit, like the spirit rushes on David.
2: And then when when Goliath blasphemes and curses that same spirit, God's response isn't like some, oh, wow, well, I hope you get it right. God's response is like, <laughs> I'll show you what I'm about. Well, bro, I'll, I'll use a 17-year-old kid to get it in with. And David doesn't just, oh, man, I don't know. That's the, okay. So, like, sorry. Have you? I know you have, but. I like, Craig, I don't know if you have. There's, like, this scene in, like, Dragon Ball Super whenever oh, uh, Frieza's like, hey, Vegeta, you should join my army. And Goku's, like, almost beaten to death. He's dying. He barely gets saved. And Vegeta's like, you'd make me supreme commander? Is that a real offer? Frieza's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's unfortunate. I've already made my decision. I'm going to pulverize you until there's nothing left. It's like David's threat is, like, not just against the Philistine, he's like, I'm going to yank you, and then I'm yanking all of your boys, and I'm not just going to feed you, but I'm going to feed your whole army to the, to the burst birds. of the field. Well, like, God's th- not going to judge you only.
1: But I think it's important to know, like the last time that we saw a battle with the Philistines, you brought up Jonathan, right? Here, when when, when Jonathan takes on those Philistines and kicks off this battle with all of, the, all of those Philistines, it says that Saul, he brought forth the ephod, in the ark of the covenant and the and the priest had his hand over it, and he was inquiring of the lord while jonathan's out doing battle and finally saul's like oh well i guess we better you know go get involved like where saul should have known like oh no this is the will of god we're just going to go do this that's when he decides oh well we better let's pray about it first that that's the contrast here is david doesn't need a priest he doesn't need to inquire of the lord he simply knows that guy's blaspheming Yahweh. Man, that's a that's knife. a problem. He is in the land of Judah. He he is an invader and he's blaspheming my God. I don't need to pray about this. It's time to go fight. Yeah,
2: dude, there's um <laughs> I don't know. This is just so tough to me. Like Goliath arises for battle. As soon as David sees him arise, he starts sprinting towards the battle line. Like <laughs> this this dude has no chill, bro. Like <laughs> and he puts his hand in his bag, pulls out a, 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 a stone, sticks it in his sling, and while he's running at this dude that's probably somewhere around or over nine feet tall. That's unheard that, of.
0: Like, yeah, yeah. It's a tennis ball-sized stone. No sword, nothing like that, no armor, just it, stones in a sling.
2: Dude, it could be very likely that this Philistine is quite literally twice David's size. Yeah. Like, if the average height of an ancient Near Eastern Israelite in adulthood for a male was five foot five, and this dude, if if the Masoretic text is right, if he's at nine foot seven, this dude is literally deb- doubled his height almost. If he's a seventeen year old kid and he's not full grown, and this you, you could just picture like this giant of a man walking out there with this huge javelin, and the tip of his spear weighs over a hundred pounds. This dude's coming at David, and he's sprinting at him with a rock and a sling, like like a little crazy guy, you yeah. know?
1: So, but the crazy part is he slings it, and the stone s- struck him on the forehead and sank into his forehead, and he fell on the ground. And so that day David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Wait, where where did the serpent get hit? That's right. <laughs> In the head. His head gets crushed.
0: Crushed the head of the serpent.
1: Yeah. From the Bethlehemite, from Judah.
0: And then he cuts his head off with his own sword.
1: He pulls Goliath's sword out and cuts his head off. Dude, he freaking beheaded the serpent. Yeah. That's dope.
0: That's it. Bible over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose up with a shout, and they pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shereim as far as Gath and Ekron, and the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camp. Mm. That's Justin's favorite phrase. Shout out to (laughs) JC. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put this armor in his tent. Put his armor in his tent. So, real quick, and and we're we're about to land this plane, but it says that he brought the head of Goliath to Jerusalem. That's going to become important. Wow. Dude, at this point in time,
2: Jerusalem's not fully conquered yet. What does he do with it? I wonder, I wonder if this is like David taking the head of this giant, like throwing it on a pike and sticking it outside Jerusalem, just being like, hey, yo, check this out. I'll well, be back.
0: <laughs> and, and that in and of itself is kind of a curse type thing too, but we remember in Hannah's song she said, you know, God punishes the arrogant. You know, Mm. how arrogant was he?
1: I I believe there's tradition, too, and uh, I think maybe even some of the writings of Josephus. I could be wrong, but I I know there's Hebrew tradition that says that David goes and he buries the head of Goliath at Jerusalem under a hill. Wow.
2: Under a hill at Jerusalem. I wonder if etymologically there's any any relation between Goliath and Golgotha.
1: Yeah. Uh, Place of the place skull. of the skull. That's it, that's why it's called that. No doubt, that's tough. We can't fully expand on what we're talking about. Just put an earmark Man. right here, because later on, this is going to become so important and so yeah. powerful.
2: That's I, the commander of Saul's army is like, yo, whose kid is this? Like, who is this dude, and who is his son? Right. Uh, or that's what Saul asks. And,
1: how does he not know? Yeah, and it's your I, armor. It,
2: you just talked to this guy.
1: I think it just goes to show you more how much he's lost it, and how much this spirit of this evil spirit from Yahweh is just tormenting him. Yes, you you don't know David. He's your armor bearer. He's the one that played so that you could have peace.
0: You know, in the movies when like you have this good guy through like most of the movie, and then you end up seeing that he's bad, and he like changes appearance, and he's like. Like Emperor Palpatine type of deal. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and knew there like, was going to be a Star he, Wars reference. Yes. He looks so, like, like so pale, and I just that's what I imagine. He's very, yeah. like, distraught all the time. I,
1: I didn't expect it to come from you, but I knew there would be a Star Wars reference. But you're my man, dude. <laughs> <But there's, laughs> he went <laughs> Dragon Ball Z and you went Star Wars. Part of me
2: wonders, like, why, you know, if maybe the reason why, if he's like, um, because th- it was promised that uh, not just the daughter of Saul, but that the guy that takes on the Philistine and wins, that his father's household will be without taxes in Israel. So he says, Amen. Who's the son? blessed the Lord. He said, whose son is that? You know, and a part of me wonders if he's like, all right, who are you and who's your dad again? I need to make sure that I get
1: y'all situated with this thing. Well, he says that even Abner doesn't know. Yeah. He's
2: like, as your, Lord, as your soul is, dude, I have no idea who this guy <laughs> is, right? <laughs> he's like, so David answers and says, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And our, our chapter ends this. You remember we began Goliath's fight with highlighting the second stage of inauguration. Yeah. Right? There's three. The first one is you're chosen or validated by God to be the leader. The second is that there is an act of war, yeah. right? Something to show that you are a man of valor, capable of leading God's people and protecting them.
0: And it took three chapters to describe David's. Right. And like a couple verses to describe <laughs> Saul's.
2: Yeah. And, well, what's funny is there's three acts of war that validate his ascent to the throne. There's a bear. Hmm. There's a lion. And there's a serpent. Yeah. A seed of a serpent. A giant. A giant. A yeah. Nephilim. This dude is outmatched by two of the most ferocious predatory creatures on the face of the earth. And the third one is a guy that has trained to slaughter people since he was David's age.
1: Yeah. I think that, like, to, to wrap up this episode, let's highlight all the things that make this guy a candidate, right? Yeah. We have a man, first of all. He's a male. <laughs> he's from <laughs> Judah, Judah. Right? Anointed with a horn. He's from Judah. Specifically. Yeah, yeah good point. Specifically from Bethlehem. That's important, too. He's anointed with a horn; the spirit of God rushes upon him. While he's a shepherd, right? Then he keeps sheep. He has a heart after Yahweh. He is, by default, aligned with God. And when when he is when his moment comes, where it says, "Do what's in your hand to do; what you see, do what's right in your eyes." He does what's right. He does what Yahweh would have him to do, and he destroys the Philistines and his confirmation battle is a lion a bear and then a giant nephilim so it makes him it makes him joshua right he's the better joshua or a new joshua at least he's harim right he ain't he ain't spo- <laughs> the only thing he takes from the philistine is his head and his armor <laughs> you know <laughs> he's not he's not taking the best of the sheep right destroying he gives his body to the birds of the air like he said it, so, David, in contrast to Saul, because really that's what we've been, this this whole episode has been about, the contrast of these two guys. David's getting it right. Mm. Where Saul got it wrong at every step, thus far, David hasn't had a misstep.
2: Well, and, and like Creek said, the thing that gives us hope, you know, we read from that little passage of, uh, oh, I think it was Gills, but I could be wrong. It was an excerpt. Um about how, like the flask of oil was, was used to anoint both Saul and Jehu, both of whose reigns were very short, Yeah, right? How like the flask was supposed to like symbolize a, a short and brittle anointing, whereas like David's anointed with a horn. So we, we get this idea that from David, perhaps his reign will be enduring, that this will be a long-term reign. You know what's interesting to me too. We're supposed to expect to see to the woman. We have heard nothing about David's mom.
1: Nothing. Yeah, yeah that is interesting. I think that ending this episode, like the question, is what what's left. We have to see him coronated. Yeah, exactly. And we're left in this chapter with the expectation being set of like. Well, whoever kills the giant gets to marry the king's daughter, right? Is that the way that David's going to become king?
0: Somebody has to be uncoronated for David to be.
1: <laughs> well, it, at least That's you're true. left with him in the in the king's house, right? He's going to marry the, the the daughter of the king and it almost makes you think like, okay, is it going to happen that way?
2: Well, and oftentimes what you'd see, especially in ancient cultures, is the prince would be like the defender Right, he's like a, a a big general in the army. He goes out to fight. I mean, look at look at Jonathan. Jonathan's not kicking it back at the palace, waiting for his dad to get home. He's got an armor bearer and a sickle ready to
1: to get it. I don't know if he was actually carrying <laughs> a sickle. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe so, but where's he yeah. at now? Right. Yeah. Well,
2: he's not the character in view.
1: Yeah. The
2: and the, the last expectation that we have too is the king has made a promise to bless the one that did this, what will happen? Will he keep his word? And like you said, the final piece is coronation. Who's going to get uncoronated? And is he going to step away from the throne peacefully? Peacefully. Or as Samuel told him, just as you have torn my garment, so God will tear the kingdom away from you.
1: That's good. Well, I think for... um the purpose of this episode—that's um, what's at the table. That's what's at the table. Uh, until uh, until next week, hey guys, um, we appreciate all the support that you guys have given us and and, and all of the ratings and the reviews and all the likes. Um, that is what helps the sh- the show grow, and it's the one part of this that we can't do for ourselves. Right. And so we just want to encourage you guys: if you like if you like this show, if you like this episode, if you like what we're doing here, go give us a rating and a review, yeah. and specifically a good one. Pass it on to your friends. <laughs> Share it with your friends. Yeah, um, be a part of the culture here. Engage with us on Facebook. Let's, yeah, you know, we, we want to hear from you. Do you have ideas? Do you like? Is there things that you would like to see or hear? You know, um, just just engage and let's and let's continue to grow the community around this, this show. Yeah, yeah, right on. Well, for all the uh, the um, hosts here at at the Table Podcast,
0: Godspeed. Godspeed. Catch you later. Thank you for joining us for another episode of At The Table Podcast. We hope it blessed you and taught you something. And if you enjoyed, leave us a good rating and like us on Facebook. And from all three of us, until next time, thank you and God bless.